We're going to be looking at how God speaks to us, part two. So here's the words of Jesus. John's Gospel, chapter 10, and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is really a dynamic uh, statement by the Lord. First of all, he's saying that he has sheep that have already recognized his voice. In other words, God spoke to you. God spoke to me at some portion, at some time, at one season in my life. Maybe I was unaware that there was a good shepherd, but the good shepherd got my attention and I became a part of his fold. And he spoke to me many times in my upbringing, and I really didn't recognize it was him until the day that I opened the door of my heart and invited him in. And then I recognized he has been there my whole life. He has always been a good shepherd. I didn't know that. But when it was revealed to me, when I became aware of it, he became the shepherd of my soul and I became part of his flock. It goes on and it tells us that we would recognize his voice. He says, and I know them. Isn't that an encouraging truth is that God knows us? We all question and maybe have doubts at times. Is God aware of what's going on in the world? And we may even come to some conclusions like, well, if he is aware, I wish he would do something about it. I wish he would get involved. I wish he would be more active. And really, God is saying the same thing, I think, about us at times. I wish my people were more active. If they are aware and I show them a place where I'm working, would they get busy and would they become active in the world that I love so much and and communicate and connect and care for those that are wandering and those that are lost? And then he says, and then they follow me. And, of course, that's one of our greatest privileges as his people is that he would lead and that we would follow Well, to become aware means that we become enlightened. And the reason that we need to be enlightened is because all of us have come under and been impacted uh, by the result of sin. And and sin blinds us. It, It not only separates us from God, it blinds us. The God of this world system has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine through. So there was a point where we were blind. But now we become enlightened or we begin to see. We see something that is happening. It's always been happening. Maybe we weren't aware of it. Something that exists has always existed. But yet, once aware, once again, we weren't aware of it. And this could be situational, outward, inward, seen or unseen. It, it could happen in many different dimensions and many different settings. But suddenly we're like, hey, I... I know something I didn't know. I understand something I didn't understand before because God enlightened us. Scripture likens the human spirit to a candle and sin blows out the light and Jesus comes and lights the candle within us. And our candle is is lit now and, and we're alive unto God. And what a beautiful thing that happens when a person becomes a brand new creature in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And God lights the candle of our spirit again. And he begins to work with us from the inside out. I've written in your notes that in studying how God speaks to mankind, the Bible and prayer are fundamentally accepted as the foundation of this truth. That God has given us his word. He's speaking to us through his word. We'll get into that in the upcoming days more specifically. And then also... Prayer is also a way that we process the will of God in our life. Uh, there are things that are not written specifically in the word of God, but there are matters in which we should pray about. 
And especially when it comes to seasons of transition in our life or major decisions, uh, maybe you're getting ready to graduate from high school and you're wondering what the next season of your life would look like. You could pray a prayer of dedication. Lord, I may not know, but you know, would you lead and guide me? Would you direct my steps and I commit my future and my life into your hands? And 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 if you'll be consistent in praying that kind of prayer and, and coming before the Lord, then what begins to happen is there's desires that you'll start to recognize that maybe were there, but you didn't know it. And you can begin to say, I have a desire to do this. I, I have a want to to go into this field. And and here's the encouraging news is that you may start off just having a desire to go to school, maybe not even understanding what the next season looks like. But as you're in motion, God can guide you and God can lead you. And and some people, school isn't the next season in their life when they graduate from high school. It's just maybe getting into the workforce and in doing that and maybe trying multiple different vocations, they find something that sort of fits. For other people, it may be an apprenticeship. There's a lot of different things that can transpire if we will pray. And when we pray, God can guide us. And you may be in a transition in your life right now. Would you just simply commit the next season of your life unto the Lord, to the good shepherd? Would you allow him to go before you, to call you by name, and to lead you into that place that he wants you to be? And then when you're there, fully participate. So I've given you some scriptures to consider both about God's word and about prayer. I've written down this sequence of events. Awareness creates awakened. We're awakened to something which causes us to be willing. Our willingness produces obedience. Our obedience brings blessings. And what a great, great truth that is. You can see that over and over again, that narrative lived out in the life of people that are documented in scripture for our encouragement. So we can see that people are just like us. Sometimes they're, they're not really in tune or in step with what God is doing. He opens their understanding. They become aware of it. In that moment, they, uh, they are awakened to the reality of God's goodness. They become willing to follow Him. And through that, their life begins to be, to be, uh, 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 filled with obedience, and that leads to his blessings. So let's talk about three ways in which God does speak to us that none of us can dispute or argue with. We're going to start with creation. And so I want you to find Psalms chapter 19, if you would do that, Psalms 19. And we're going to read uh, the first six verses. And for those of you that are online, this is going to come up on your screen. And uh, it's also going to be on the screen here in the auditorium, but I just want to always encourage you. This is a BYOB church. This is bring your own Bible. And, uh, and so when you bring your Bible, you can circle words, you can underline things because I want to start off before I read this by saying the number one way that God speaks to us is through his word. And so the Bible is God talking to us. And when we open it up and we begin to hear the message, the Holy Spirit begins to awaken us and to reveal goodness to us. So here it is, Psalms 19. The heavens declare what? The glory of God. If something is declared, it means it's heralded, it's spoken in an audible way that the audience can hear, perceive, and understand. So God is the one who is declaring his glory, what? Through the heavens and the firmament or the earth shows his handiwork. So whether it's 
the things that are in the heavens above or on the earth beneath, God is speaking to us. Day in to day utters speech, communication, some form or another that creates an awareness in us that God exists through creation. It goes on, it says, day unto day at her speech, and night unto night reveals, if you don't have that word reveals, would you circle it, reveals or makes known unto us the earth, or makes known unto us knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the all the earth, everywhere, and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tabernacle for the sun. This is a great story, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chambers and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit is to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Here God is saying to us emphatically, that he is talking to us, speaking to us through creation, whether it's the heavens or the earth. And what is he revealing? He's revealing his glory, how majestic he is, how awesome he is. And when you and I are aware that God uses creation to connect and to communicate with us, then we stop complaining about any part of creation. He can use any aspect, any season any portion of creation to communicate to us. So this declares his glory. It shows us his handiwork. And I am really amazed that the message is the same to every person in every language. God's glory is revealed to everyone in every continent. And no matter what their native tongue is, God speaks their native tongue and he's connecting and he's revealing and he's communicating something through them, through the beauty and the majesty of creation. This is something that we all have to understand is that if creation around us is speaking, it means the creator has something to say to us, right? If there is the the awareness that something Something exists, we have to say that there is a designer if there is a design. If you can look out and you can say things are consistent, sunrise, sunset, summer, and then fall, and then winter and spring, cycles that are unbroken, all of the stars are majestic, set in place, all of them. God has called by name and even numbered. All the planets and the orbits in which they have been given jurisdiction, even the mountains, how high they are, or the water, the boundaries in which it can come. All of these things are a part of the way that God is speaking to us. And we have to be able to recognize that and then hear what our creator is saying. The second way that God speaks to us is through our own conscience. And in Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the church. And it's this is a, a, an, an incredible letter in that in chapter 1, he's dealing with the Jewish people. But in chapter 2, he begins to talk to the Gentiles. And in the message in chapter 1 is, is to the Jewish people is that really 
even though you have been given the law and even though you've been given the commandments, you've been given the statutes, the ordinances of God, that if you're not, if you're not a good steward of those things, they can be taken from you and given to another. And, and so he's talking to his own covenant people and he's, and he's, he's appealing to them to pay attention to what has been given unto them and to hear what God is speaking to them in light of redemption and a Messiah. But the problem with people is that we don't pay attention at times and we miss out on the message. So he was saying, all right, to the Jewish people, because you're not connected, you're not paying attention, you haven't listened to commandments, you haven't listened to prophets, you're not really doers of the law, then every one of you is found guilty. Because if you're not a doer, then you're found guilty. And then he goes on and he says this in chapter 2. He starts talking to the Gentiles. And we're going to pick up in verse 11. He says, there's no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish uh, uh, without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. So he's saying that people, whether they knew about the ways of God, the law, the commandments, the statutes, the ordinance of God, they're going to perish, as well as those that have the law that have been given unto them, they're going to be critiqued or judged or come underneath the authority of the law. Verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified those that hear and do it for when Gentiles now he's he's appealing here for when Gentiles are people that don't have a covenant with God don't have the law don't have the commandments don't have the statutes who do not have the law by nature or by conscience do the things in the law these all the although not having the law are a law to themselves now, the book of Ecclesiastics, to, to really put this in a really simple way, says eternity has been placed in the heart of every person. With or without the knowledge of the law, eternity is in each and every one of us. When the law comes, it shows us our lawlessness and our need for salvation. And then it says in verse verse 15, who shows the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. The Apostle Paul was just reminding us, as well as the the church at Rome, that if you think that you have a preferential place because you have been given the law and yet you don't obey it, you're mistaken. You're going to be judged by the law and found guilty. Then he says, there's even people that are Gentiles. They haven't even been given the law. And yet, because eternity is in their heart and they're aware of the difference between right and wrong and good and evil, they're obeying the law and they don't even have it. And they are going to be justified because it's not just the hearers, it's the doers. But then he goes on and he says, here's the the kicker. He says, whether you're a covenant person, part of the Jewish heritage, or whether you're a Gentile, those outside of the Jewish heritage, everyone is guilty before God because all of you are lawbreakers. 
and he puts himself in that category. Then he goes on in chapter 3 and he goes forward and he just talks about that even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, that's a lot to sort of fathom and to consider. But here's the main point is many times in people's lives, people who grew up like Lindy away and didn't know God, yet in her heart, she already knew the difference between good and evil and right and wrong. And she made choices accordingly. She made choices accordingly. Lindy would probably be the first to testify. She knew when she shouldn't do, do something. And if she did it, it smote her. It bothered her. It bugged her. Where did it bother her? In her conscience. And it's amazing. It says the conscience is very close related to the heart or the spirit of an individual and also the thoughts, the intents and the motives in which they do things. We all know the motive in which we do things. Why? Because we all have a conscience before God. How is that a reality is because God has put the reality or the truth of eternity in each and every one of us. And so God deals with people according to. Their conscience. I, I know when my mom would ask me to do something and I would not do it, it smote my conscience. I felt guilty. I was guilty. There, it, it went beyond, it went beyond feelings. I was factually guilty because I knew to do good and I didn't do it. My mom asked me to do something. I didn't do it. Therefore, I was guilty. And there's no getting around that guilt. If I tried to cover it up, if I tried to, you know, butter it up. If I tried to justify it, I was still guilty. The fact that I was trying to butter it up, cover it up, or lighten it means I already knew in my conscience what I did was not right. So some people say, you know, I don't know if God exists. I don't know if God speaks to us. And and here's the good news is that God speaks to people who don't even know him through creation so that they can come to know him. God speaks to people through their conscience. And if they have a dirty or a guilty conscience, it means that God is endeavoring to awaken them to his love, to his goodness that would lead them to repentance. And then the third way that, of course, God speaks to us, which is undeniable, is through Christ. In Hebrews chapter 1, this maybe is... My favorite portion of scripture when it talks about how God speaks to us specifically through his son, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter one, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. So God had been speaking in numerous ways and in various ways before Christ and and through the fathers and through the prophets or through the patriarchs. And that would be like Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob. And then he spoke through the prophets, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jonah. And then we see here in in verse 2, he says, though, has in these last days, these are the days we're living in, spoken to us by his son, spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So Christ 
is speaking to us. Christ was sent so that we could be connected and, and we could know the Father. And the Father sent his Son so that the world would not perish. And anyone who hears the Son accepts and receives the Son and welcomes him into their life has the gift of eternal life given unto them. So God sent his son that we might know the true and the living God. To know him, to love him, to serve, to follow, to obey him. Christ is calling us into that lifestyle, onto that path. I, I want to close by reminding you that there are there really are keys to hearing God. And there's things that you and I can intentionally do to posture or position ourselves to develop more sensitivity, more discernment to God speaking to us. And I, I want to read that. It's in your notes. The first thing I want to remind us all of is we have to protect our eyes, our ears, and our heart. We have to guard those areas because they're all gateways. Uh, scripture also talks about where your feet go and what your hands handle. It does deal with the thoughts, the imaginations that all of us, you know, have. But how do those thoughts and all those imaginations, for the most part, begin? Or what's the origin of them? Well, it's something that you saw, so you started thinking about something. It's something that you heard, so you started pondering it. It's something that if you if you don't address it and it's unhealthy, it gets down into your heart and it begins to impact the sensitivity of your heart or your awareness, your thinking, or your consciousness towards creation, towards your, towards God dealing with you between the difference between right and wrong and good and evil, or even listening to Christ himself. So protecting your, your, your eye gate, your ear gate, and your heart allow us to hear more God more consistently, to be more aware of the beauty, the splendor, the majesty, the power, the might, of the heavens and the earth, not taking things for granted. One of the things that that I, I love about creation and, and how it speaks to us is in Jesus' teaching, he asks us to consider the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Look at creation. And look how faithful God is to creation and 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 know that you are the prize possession of his creation. So God, Jesus himself, points us back to creation. If you wonder if God's going to care for you, if he knows you, interested in you, consider the birds, consider the flowers of the air. And then consider, consider this, that Christ came. Christ came. That's something to consider. Christ demonstrated his love. I think also that God's spirit bears witness with our spirit. And so we have to te- keep a tender heart. What is it that causes our heart to become calloused or darkened? It's sin. It's sin. That is a common enemy of each and every person in humanity. And that's why Christ came. He came to seek and save those that were lost. He came to open the blind eyes, both physically and spiritually. He came to save us from our sins. So we have to also not permit sin to go unaddressed or it will harden our heart, blind our mind and dull our discernment. Let's, let's just land here for a minute. In dealing with 
with God dealing with us through our conscience. There can be a point where the writer of the book of Hebrews is appealing to them saying, do not allow, do not allow sin to harden your heart. Or sear, he goes on and he uses this, this illustration, sear your conscience. Sear your conscience. Where you get past feelings. Uh, a personal story of mine, uh, my mother, who's, uh, uh, like outside of Jesus, she's one B, like she's a hero in my life for many, many reasons. I just have tremendous love and respect for my mother. My mother, when I came to faith in Christ, told me this story of her account of, of her and the Lord. And she grew up in, in a, a typical, uh, you know, what I would call, uh, a religious home, but they really didn't include God in their day in and day out activity. But they had all of the, you know, the appearance of, of being godly people. But my mom would say, when I was a young girl, when I was a young girl, Doug, she said, I would go out and play and I would look at creation. I would look at the sky and I would be aware of the beauty of the sky. And I was aware as a young child of there had to be a creator. There had to be someone who designed and made all of this. But as I got older and I got it involved in the things of the world and the ways of the world, then that awareness became something that began to diminish in my life to the point that I began to question and doubt and even become a skeptic as to whether God existed or not. What happened is, as she didn't address or deal with sin in her life, confess sin and turn away from sin, sin began to do its damage in my mom's conscience and in her heart to the place that it blinded her to the beauty of God, to the awareness that he's all around, that he's speaking, but maybe we just didn't know it. We cannot just wink at sin. We can't call evil good and good evil, and that's what's going on in the world that we live in. We have to have an understanding that good is good and evil is evil. Light is light. Darkness is darkness. Boys are boys. Girls are girls. Can I get an amen? Amen. We cannot allow our conscience become hard and, 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 and we have to maintain a tender conscience towards God so that we can do this. We can appeal and have empathy towards those who are blind. Not critical, not judgmental, not hard, not mean-spirited, but caring, compassionate, and concerned about those who have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. I've been in captivity, and I've been free, and freedom is better. So if we don't address sin, selfishness is the easiest way that I could classify sin. It's just all about me, what I want to do. When we don't address sin and we don't acknowledge it as something that is grievous before God, it impacts the soul of a human being. And Christ, though, is in the business right now as a good shepherd. What? He restores our soul. He's leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If we would just be aware that he's speaking and we would be tender hearted and say, Here's your servant, Lord, speak to me. Here's your son, here's your daughter, speak to me. And then, dull our discernment. 
there's been things that have happened around me, and I was like, you know, what happened? I use that little joke, you know, three kinds of people in the world, those that uh, make things happen, those that watch things happen, those that say what happened. Uh, if you've ever been in the last category because, you know, you, you've allowed uh, unconfessed sin in your life or you haven't judged things righteously before the Lord, sometimes you're like, how did this happen? Where did this come from? I didn't see this happening. I didn't see this happening. That slow drift. Have you ever been in that slow drift? The enemy doesn't come immediately. The enemy is an opportunist. He'll wait until, you know, the stakes in your life where he hits you hard enough that what you lose really matters. And he doesn't mind picking someone apart, but if he can hit you once really hard, that's what he'll do. He'll, he'll let, he'll let humanity believe that they're all right, but Really, when they're not, when they're drifting, when they're not protecting their gateways, when they're not dealing with willful disobedience. And he'll come and he'll hit and he'll knock the wind out of you. And we'll say, well, I didn't see that coming. Some people say that, you know, when it comes to relationships, some see it coming in a work environment. You know, I never saw, I never saw that coming. Could it be that, you know, our discernment got dulled, that the Holy Spirit was trying to get in touch with us saying, stop that, quit that, don't do that. That's not wise, that's not prudent, that's not good. But because, you know, we sort of pushed it away and drifted, no, no, it's all right, it's all right. I'm not as bad as so-and-so, I don't do it as often as those people do. I'm not, you know, as guilty as the rest of them. Then, But all the while, it's impacting us, not them. Not the people we're comparing ourselves to. Not those that, you know, we don't think we're as bad as. And once again, let me finish with this. Paul was saying to the Romans, to the Jews and the Gentiles alike, you guys can spin it any way you like, whether you've been given the law or haven't given the law. All of you need what I'm peddling. The gospel I'm sharing is the only way to get out of darkness. Because the law just shows you you're a lawbreaker. And if you do keep the law, it tells you, that you need guidance and governance and a savior in your life. And so if all of sin and come short of the glory of God, and that's the factual narrative of the book of Romans, then how do we get out of that? By coming to Christ. And when we come to Christ, the narrative changes and there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Which means outside of Christ, I'm condemned, but inside of Christ, I'm not. Outside of Christ, I'm guilty. Inside of Christ, I'm clean. So if we want to cultivate the keys to hearing from God, then we have to do these things. And in doing them, you will develop discernment sensitivity and you will become aware and awakened that God has been speaking to me. Wow. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.